0: With no internet access and limited supplies, how can you inspire and engage kids with STEM? We often think of robots and circuit boards as an integral part of STEM education, but hands-on learning doesn't need fancy tools. In this episode of The STEM Space, Claire and I discuss ideas for offering STEM in rural communities. We also provide a framework for developing relevant STEM challenges that are based on students' lived experiences. Enjoy. Hey, I'm Claire. And I'm Natasha. From college roommates to co founders of Vivify STEM, pull up a seat as we discuss our experiences as aerospace engineers, teachers, moms, program directors, curriculum writers, graduate students, and friends. This is the STEM Space
1: Podcast.
0: Hey, Claire. Hey. So, you are on maternity leave, I guess, officially, but you wanted to record a podcast. How are things going?
1: Uh, you know, as expected, this is child number three, third daughter. <laughs> so, you know, she's just along for the ride and everything that I want to do and have to do. But so, disclaimer as we record this podcast, I have a baby in my lap. So you might hear some weird <laughs> noises. <laughs> it's a baby it's not me it's not like my stomach or anything
0: (laughs) so this episode is not just natasha and claire but we have a third guest which is
1: finia would like to weigh in on stem yes she's a month old now uh but i'm anxious to get back into stuff and and record a podcast because we have a lot
0: to talk about
1: yeah
0: and I want to catch you up with a conversation that I had that I have not told you about. So I'm excited because you might have some ideas on this topic. So I got this email actually through my mom who works at AM, and someone had reached out from India. And it's this nonprofit based in India where they are are all about experiential learning so like Mm hands-on science and engineering stem right but for rural communities for underserved kids and i was looking at the foundation so this idea it's called the agastaya international foundation and the co-founder ramji he had this dream as a kid that he wanted to someday go back to his hometown in india and build this school for kids that don't have access to the kind of education that he did. And now he's actually doing it. Um, And he connected with some scientists, some entrepreneurs. There's like this whole team of people. And I actually talked with him. So I did a Zoom call and met with him. And what he was telling me, is he went away from that initial dream of a school because he realized like, how many kids can I serve? There's millions and millions of children in India. So he became a school of schools. So what they do is they develop curriculum and training for teachers to then implement this way of learning in their classrooms. They also do mobile science labs on a bicycle. So it's on like- On a, a bicycle? Yeah. you have a picture of this? I will find it, it's on their website, which we'll link definitely in the show notes. But this program is incredible because it has now expanded across India. They have already reached millions of kids and their goal is to reach a hundred million students in the next few years. Because he said in India, numbers are just mind boggling because there's just so many people, Mm. but they have real challenges. In reaching those very rural students, and and I try to like if, you know you know when we did this okay COVID nineteen hit right and we were trying to reach students through Space Club and other STEM curriculum and we thought well let's go virtually we can host things online we can send them kids home but he said the challenge is that less than half of kids have access to the internet or a cell phone and so how do you reach kids that aren't online that's their big challenge—a bicycle, apparently—a bicycle, that's <laughs> and so, right, and so they have this amazing campus where it's called like an innovation lab, and they bring kids on field trips. They bring teachers. He said they have 1,400 teachers in this foundation that are delivering content through this program. Wow, the science on a bike, all this incredible stuff, and they're actually they reached out to us because one they want to develop space related content. And I was like, we got you. And the second thing is they have this booklet, they can print really cheap, and they send it to the kids that don't have access online. And so that's been their approach to reach those kids that really, they can't reach virtually. So that's what I wanted to talk about is how do you do stem in a rural environment when you really don't have much? What are your thoughts? Yeah. I
1: I mean, first, I think there's a lot of stereotypes that you have to knock down when you think about STEM, because a lot of administrators, especially when you say STEM, they're like, oh, we need robots. We need a 3D printer. We need all this fancy stuff that's really expensive. But at the heart of STEM, it's problem solving, which does not require anything really, except a problem that you solve with whatever you already have. It's like, going back to Apollo 13, they had a problem and they needed to fix their spaceship and they just said, well, what do you have with you? With all this, we have to do this, right? And so I think that is the heart of how we should approach STEM is what are the problems where you are, especially trying to fix things that are local. That's how kids can relate to what the issues are and actually become an active member of society as they grow up, not some sort of crazy idea that they can't even relate to. A lot of challenges are like that. Like mm-hmm. fix some ship and kids have like never seen the ocean, you know like how do you make yeah. it float? I don't I don't know I've never been to the ocean. I don't know what a boat really looks like. but if you have something that they can relate to and I don't know what their struggles their main struggles are. they're in India but in mm-hmm. other rural places, basic things like access to f- food and water. Those kind of challenges you can do with just whatever's around you. So using things that are in nature, I think that's something that a lot of teachers are starting to get into, which I love, is, you know, how can you make an irrigation system to water your crops with what you have? I go back to that uh, true story in that book about the kid who made the windmill water pump. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind. Incredible story. Show your kids that. Read that book. There's um, That kid is now an adult and he does a TED Talk. That's pretty impressive. Talking about that story. Mm -hmm. Use what you have to solve problems in your own community with whatever's out there. You don't need to buy stuff.
0: Right? Yeah. And I was looking at their mission, which is to spark curiosity, nurture creativity, and instill confidence. And you don't need a fancy robot, right, or a computer to do that. And their approach in this booklet has been when they ask the kids to do a project, it's in the pages. So it says, cut this out and turn oh. it into this, right? So if it's like origami, they can just cut it out and do it. Or if they they have a page on anatomy, and so it's like draw on this page. So it's they give you everything they need in a very kind of low cost way. And if it's ever asking you to get something, it's like rocks or dirt from outside, you know, or something in the kitchen that they uh, hope everybody has. But it's tricky because it can be very limiting when we're used to you know our students and the tools that we have in our STEM lab. So I admire this foundation that's really going after these kids that just don't have access. So I'm excited to to partner with them and to give them some more ideas. And and that's our task, Claire, is we now have to come up with space ideas, like space-themed projects for these kids. Does anything, like, pop in your head?
1: (laughs) Yes. Well, okay. Inspiration, though, has struck me now because I'm thinking about, this is a true problem that NASA has right now is they're thinking about sending people to colonize Mars, right? Well, Mm -hmm. it's really expensive to take anything that far. So they're trying to find ways to use what's already there. So they've actually figured out what Martian soil or, um, what that's made out of. And so they're trying to use what's already on Mars to be able to construct things. Can we bring over a 3d printer that can build, structures using the martian soil can we can we do that um how can we extract water from it how can we use what's already there the rocks can we use those for something so i'm wondering if we can uh, replicate building something for a habitat on another planet using what's outside so maybe just a perspective change is the the main thing
0: Yeah, like having kids just imagine that you are, you know, a Martian, you are out there on Mars, and I think the stories is what can really excite the kids and make them more curious and be creative, because all of a sudden their backyard or wherever they're hanging out is not just that, it's now Mars, and we have to find resources and survive, and that, I think, makes it kind of fun.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's huge, and that's why we do like our launch pad, which walks kids through a storyline because that's how they get connected. So I think if we can create a story and then have them connect with nature in that way, yeah, that would be huge. Oh, I'm I'm really excited about this. My my brain's going everywhere right now,
0: <laughs> and I'm thinking like rockets. Like we can definitely do an easy. You can do hoop gliders, paper airplanes, and a straw rocket pretty simply. Mm-hmm. Um, and it with just some kitchen supplies, you can do more of like a science experiment and a rocket. But I'll have to kind of think about what do they actually have? That's going to be the real challenge here. But all of our building challenges are just like simple things. And you can substitute popsicle sticks with like twigs.
1: Yep. Right? That's exactly right. Or index cards with leaves. We
0: had a space club site who was a rural outdoor learning center. And when I tasked the kids with building habitat on Mars, they took it totally differently and they built an outdoor habitat. So if you can imagine, do you remember this? No, I don't. Okay, they sent the video in, and most of the kids are like, here's my habitat made of popsicle sticks and cardboard and cereal boxes. No, no, no. They took me on an outdoor tour of a, like, person-sized habitat made out of tree branches. No way. Yeah, like, anything they could find in nature to build this model of a habitat. And they actually, like, played in it. Like, they were, like, crawling around, and it was the coolest thing so that was like a totally different take on that challenge
1: that's incredible yeah fine can we post that video and yeah that's a good idea yeah that is awesome yeah i mean think about being able to transport kids to mars through this experience where they're problem solving getting to play outside which is super beneficial in a lot of ways Um, and getting to do something that, you know, most kids only dream of, right?
0: Yeah, and I think what can be very inspiring is to share some of this knowledge with the kids. So we can tell them about, you know, Mars, but sharing like stories of scientists and engineers, especially those maybe in India, um, that have been to space and how they started and their journey in STEM. And I feel like for any kid that can be inspirational is to hear those stories of real scientists and engineers that they can look up to and dream about and say, maybe that could be me someday, I think can be really powerful. So I have lots of ideas.
1: Yeah, I think that is, there's so many things, especially connecting to careers in space. That's always something that we want to do. So yeah. There's a lot of things that I think we can do with nothing that we currently use. <laughs> right. But it doesn't I'm... always have to be just nature. Like I love how they use the booklet to provide what they what they need and it's just out of paper. And paper I feel like is pretty accessible. Um, even like newspapers, that's something that I'm always promoting to teachers saying, hey, go ask your local newspaper if you can have their extras or go to any store and say, hey, do you have any cardboard boxes to use? Anything that's recyclable? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, toilet paper tubes, that's a huge one that I'm sure most people can get access to. So maybe we can put together a list or if anybody's listening that has ideas of things that are easily accessible or things that you use all the time or any ideas you have for ways to connect space to things that are uh, easy to use in rural communities.
0: Yeah, and I want to give you one more example. I've been working with a group called the D. Howard Foundation International. They just created this new uh, part of it. It was originally D. Howard and now they're trying to to make it more global. And this teacher reached out from a very, very rural town in Alaska. And she said the only way it's like 100 people are in this town and the only way to get there is through an airplane. You cannot travel by car or train or any other method of transportation. And she said, how do I get my kids engaged in STEM? And what the nice connection here is D. Howard is, originally was an airplane company and they're like, we. the kids don't know anything about this mode of transportation that they use to get around. And so they have been doing activities with lift and aerodynamics to like understand how an airplane works. This community does have access to the internet. And so every month they've been connecting with different STEM professionals that are in the aerospace industry. And like you mentioned earlier, connecting it in a way that is an experience that they have, right? So they experience the airplane all the time. And so that's a great way to get what they know and use that to connect to STEM. So I think that's, your point is really good. And like, what is their experience and then building from that. So I thought that was a really interesting scenario though. Only transportation is an airplane. Yeah. Oh, that's
1: fascinating. And really exciting as aerospace engineers to think right. through that as well, because now I'm like, ooh, you can use like leaves and talk about lift and Bernoulli's principle and all of that stuff. But I feel like coming up with these ideas, there's some baby noises there. <laughs> um, coming up with the, these ideas, there needs to be like a flow chart of first, what are the experiences that these kids are familiar with, whether it be an airplane or just playing outside in the dirt, or they're used to building things. They have that kind of experience. And then what supplies do they have available? Um, And then coming up with problems that are in their community. So problems that they are familiar with. Mm
0: And then, how I love we're... that you said we're making this into a flow chart. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know how it works. And then we need a spreadsheet. And then...
0: <laughs> if you have these problems, here are these activities with these mm-hmm. materials. Oh my gosh. Oh, this is happening. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. We at least need to make a flow chart. I think that would be an awesome freebie to give to all our listeners is how do you create a relevant STEM challenge? Ooh, so, yes, done. Okay. Yeah. Benya, you agree?
1: She is now passed out.
0: (laughs) And and that's, I think, a challenge. A lot of the questions we get from listeners or other teachers is, where do I even start? Especially Mm. if you're new to STEM. STEM is so big and scary and means so many different things. And for us, it's really a problem based approach to learning usually centered around an engineering design challenge so you have some problem and you're going to use technology math and science to solve it and like we said technology can be a leaf <laughs> a stick like it doesn't have to be anything crazy and you can build up to more complex challenges that school that outdoor learning center that build a habitat that was actually a really advanced challenge because they were telling me how they got water How they were using renewable energy to power Mm -hmm. their habitat they weren't really doing it but they were modeling it and they were understanding the science behind it and so that i hope that doesn't like scare teachers away right you kind of build up to these more intensive challenges
1: yeah you don't need to get stuck on oh well i don't have little solar panels for them to figure out how to do circuitry they don't, they don't need that. They just need to understand the concept and model it. So, yeah, yeah, Don't. if you're coming new into STEM, you don't need to buy all the things. Just understand what your kids need and how to connect with them and how to help them experience STEM.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll keep you guys updated on this partnership with this organization. I'm super excited about it. Um, And just being able to reach a very different audience, I think, than we usually do. I think this will be a great challenge. And the activities can be used in any classroom. And that's really the goal. So, Claire, uh, we have promised a flowchart. So, we will work on that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep, happening. (laughs) All right. And I'm going to let you get back to cuddling with the cutest baby, little Fenya. (laughs) And STEM Space out.
1: (laughs) I'm going